What's up, coaches? We are on our way up to Seattle, Washington right now. Me and Coach Walls will both be speaking um, Friday and Saturday. Going to be talking inside zone, uh, offensive line meetings, strong power, pin and pull, uh, everyday drills, uh, among some other things. So we're excited about that. Uh, hopefully anyone listening, uh, we're going to link up with Coach Bartell up there in Washington. Anyone else that listens uh, up in the Pacific Northwest, you guys come out and uh Come hear what we have to say. Uh, hopefully we sound like we know what we're talking about uh, and not a bunch of idiots, but uh, we'll see. It should be a good time and, and look forward to seeing you guys out there. If you see us out there, stop us, say hello, and, and let's talk some ball. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by GoRoute. GoRoute brings practice efficiency into the 21st century with on-field digital risk coaches. Trusted at practice by more than 350 high schools and 30-plus FBS and FCS teams, GoRoute allows coaches to instantly send scout cards and installs to players so they can stay up-tempo all practice without the need for binders or managing multiple huddles. Compatible with all major play-drawing systems and hand-drawn cards, GoRoute teams routinely double or triple their practice reps daily. If you value practice time and want the best preparation, then you need to go no scout cards with GoRoute. Learn more at www.goroute.com, which is G-O-R-O-U-T, email at sales at goroute.com, or just give them a call at 866-777-1448. Steps of the podcast also brought to you by Sideline Power. Sideline Power is the industry leader in coaching communication. Offering cutting-edge technology and innovation, Sideline Power helps coaches around the country elevate their programs to the next level with new and used headsets, end-zone cameras, drones, portable sound systems, timers, and much, much more. Sideline Power works one-on-one with some of the most influential coaches and nationally ranked programs in high school football. They continue to help coaches push the envelope of player and program development. Throughout their expansion of their product offering, Sideline Power has remained committed to offering quality coaching communication at price points for every program. They're family-owned and operated with a customer-first mentality. Sideline Power is truly the number one choice for coaching communication. Visit them at sidelinepower.com, at info at sidelinepower.com by email, or give them a call at 800-496-4290. This episode is also brought to you by uh, Guardian Caps. Both of our programs uh, at Broken Arrow and Ankeny invested in Guardian Caps this year, and we feel that they are really helping our guys out. Uh, they're soft-shell helmet covers that reduce impact during practice and are used by over 100 colleges and 1,000 high schools. Texas, Clemson, Oklahoma are just a few of the colleges using them right now. Check out our show notes to see what Coach Lincoln Riley has to say about them at OU and to get some pricing. Uh, and they're actually a lot more affordable probably than you guys would even think. Uh, go check them out at guardiancaps.com. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Nick Nelson. Coach Nelson is currently a defensive coordinator at Ankeny High School in Ankeny, Iowa. Listen as we talk with Coach Nelson about growing up as the son of a college coach, how coaching football in Texas and Oklahoma helped advance his career, and how he has successfully learned and built an attacking 3-4 defense and coaching staff using leadership and install principles he has learned from various coaches like Eric Shenander at Nebraska and from books like Extreme Ownership uh, by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. Uh, Coach Nelson will also be uh, presenting on our RTP virtual summit coming up uh, February 18th. You guys can follow Coach Nelson on Twitter at Coach Nick Nelson. Hope you guys enjoy.
you guys don't know, uh, Coach Nelson played at, at UNI, and uh, Chris Kleiman was actually there beforehand. Um, Nelly, I'm going to kind of let you tell your story. Of, you know, you started out actually on the offensive side of the ball, believe it or not, and then now you've you've kind of moved your way to the to the dark side. So the way we usually kind of start these things out is we let you kind of tell your story, and I think that's probably a pretty good segue. You can talk about some of your uh, high school and UNI days. Yeah, perfect. Um, well, um, my story is pretty short-lived, but uh, it's a good one. Um, I, I was very fortunate to uh, grow up in a coaching household. Uh, my mom being an elementary school teacher, um, and if, if you guys teach, you guys understand how much work that is and coaching. And so I think I got to see a lot from her um, and understanding uh, people, um, how to treat people, things like that. And then uh, my father being um, a college coach for, for many years before um, he decided to uh, come and, and join um, myself and Coach Walls at, at Ankeny High School, uh, which has been a blessing. But um, in high school, I, I played both ways. I played quarterback and DB um, and was fortunate to go to the University of Northern Iowa. Um, I think a lot of it had to do with I had some blessings since my dad was on the staff, but um, I had to work pretty hard. Uh, to kind of be a special teams type of type of player, but I actually I went in as a quarterback, um, and and Coach Verduzco, who's now the the QB coach at Nebraska, uh, one of my one of my mentors. He, he's a he is a genius. Um, I learned a lot of foot, football from him. Uh, just just ins and outs of coverages, um, biomechanics of throwing the football understanding offensive line play, kind of everything on the offensive side of the ball. Um, my redshirt sophomore year, uh, the defense kind of had some injuries. Um, and so they went ahead and kind of moved me over. And I got to spend the rest of my career under a couple of coaches. Uh, one coach that you guys had on the podcast, uh, Coach Johnson, who's still at UNI. And then uh, my position coach uh, was Chris Kleiman. So um, you know, those guys have went on and, and done great things for, for themselves. Um, I'm very anxious to see uh, the success that uh, Nebraska and um, K-State has moving forward. I know that those guys are going to do uh, one heck of a job, and those fan bases should be should be jacked about those guys being there because I know that, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be the person I am today without those guys kind of molding me. So um, there's kind of a little bit about my story. Um, you know, I I was kind of a a, a backup um, special teams type of player um, all the way through until my senior year, um, and and an individual got hurt, um, and I kind of was able to step in and and uh, have a role on the team, a little bit more of a role on the team than uh, than special teams. So uh, that's that's kind of my that's kind of my story um, through college um, and some of the main mentors that I had. Uh, through my college days. Coach, do you think that, uh, and it's kind of always my opinion that, that this kind of makes better coaches, and it's not always, but uh, just kind of from what I've seen, but guys that have to work really, to me, guys that have to work really hard to get on the field, guys that athletics alone wouldn't, if that's all they had and that's all there was to football, they wouldn't really play a whole lot of football. That was kind of my case. You know, if it was all about athletics, I wouldn't have uh, you know, probably started at all or even went to college and played football, but um, had to learn the, you know, some of the small things. But 
do you think that that being that type of a guy and a guy that had to work really hard and and learn all the small things about football just to to be able to get on the field that um, more and more you think that's helped you as a coach because you did during your playing days have to look at every little thing to try to be uh, try to get the most out of your talent as you could uh, yeah I, I totally think that you know I definitely was an ability player um, you know I definitely had to know my ability uh, for all of the covered schemes and things like that um, I had to be very cognizant of that because I had, to, I had to know that that guy across from me you know probably athletically was better um, you know but I think um, with that though um, I worked very hard and I had a great brotherhood with um, my teammates at UNI that, that we we bled and sweat together and and I knew that those guys were going to do their job. And I think that they knew, even though athletically I might not have been um, on the same tier as them, they knew that I was going to do everything in my power to not let them down. I mean, I think Coach Kleiman really drilled that into me. Uh, you know, know your ability. You are here for a reason, right? You're, you're, you've worked hard these so many years. Um, you can do it. I believe in you. But just remember when you're out there, know your ability and know if, know if there's a guy across from you that got some scoots, you better scoot back a couple of yards. <laughs> Coach, uh, you know, the other, you talk about Coach Clement and, and you'd played, you know, quarterback before, and then obviously you, you played DB. That's almost kind of become kind of a, a trademark of, of their recruiting style and, and his defenses is he's always recruited guys to play some of those back end spots and those outside linebacker spots, you know, guys who were obviously good athletes in high school, but also guys who were quarterbacks, you know, did, did he ever talk a little bit about that? You know, you know, quarterbacks maybe are, are better at watching film. They're smarter. They, they've, they've played the game more. They've been around the game more, or maybe now you recruit, you know, coaches, kids who have, have been around the game more for a lot of those same reasons. Did he ever say anything about that? Or is that something, you know, you maybe picked up from your dad too? You know, he, uh, Coach Kleiman was, was very fair to kind of all the DBs in the room. Um, but I think he kind of knew um, that some guys in the room were going to kind of take a leadership role and be able to uh, maybe uh, lead a little bit better than others. Um, you know, I think that's a big part of it. And especially now, you know, seeing what he did at North Dakota State, um, he recruited guys that were were going to be team guys. Um, they were going to not, you know, let the let their teammates down. But then they love football. Mm -hmm. um, Coach Kleiman, I, I didn't really get recruited, um, you know, with my dad being on the on the staff. Um, so those guys kind of knew me going growing up um, and doing those things. But I think I learned um, like a lot of that too from my father. You know, just being in yeah. a football family and and having awareness. You know. Um, doing the same things I'm trying to do right now with my son, just going out and, and you know, making him run with the ball and, and no angles and stuff like that without really trying to coach him up on it. I just trying to kind of make it natural. Um, but I think my dad did a great job of doing that when I was little, you know, had me go out and run routes and backpedal and, and kind of learn a little bit of everything that, that uh, would make you a successful football player or have football knowledge. I think that's something that my dad definitely did a great job of. I think that's really important and, and something that I don't think I, – I didn't think enough of uh, as a dad 
and it's getting it a little more apparent to me. But, you know, one of the things that my dad's a high school coach, uh, but one of the big things that he taught me at a young age, and, and he makes a big deal at his young kids' camps, is, is just being able to get that athletic position where you've got the arch in your back and, and you can squat down and, and be in a good athletic position. And, and at the time, I was like, oh, okay, cool, and I learned to do it, and it was really easy and wasn't a big deal, not until – I was kind of in high school and even in college where some guys like couldn't figure out how to, you know, get in like a good squat position with an arch back and a big chest and, a, you know, pushing their butt back and, and just to get in a stance or you want to be a linebacker or any, any position on the field, you got to be able to get in that athletic in, in almost every sport, you know, you got to be able to get in that athletic position. And it was something that I luckily learned at six, seven years old and, and something that now I'm trying to teach my son. And like you said, it's not like, real focused, hey, we're going to practice on this. It's like, all right, well, you want to run down there? Okay, get in a good athletic position first. And then he does, and then we run, you know, or, or he runs, whatever it is. Yeah, that's, I mean, being – I'm still pretty young in my in my coaching um, career. But, yeah, just that – it's like it's like balls, right? We're out on the practice field sometimes. Like, geez, these guys have never played catch in their life before, you know. <laughs> or um, So, yeah, I think – Growing up as a coach's kid is definitely an advantage. Um, there's definitely disadvantages, um, but I think that's a definite, definite plus um, in the winner's circle there for um, being a coach's kid, just having that ability to go and play and, and watch people do it the right way and the wrong way because um, there's both of that um, that you get to see growing up. Yeah, I, I agree with you. You, know, you, you run into to some of that, and, you know, I, I don't – you know. I, every situation is probably different. You know, it seems like there's so many people out there that want to generalize it, you know, Hey, you know, kids these days or this is happening, but it, it sure seems like, you know, you, you run into more guys that just don't have that nat, you know, natural ball skills or the ability to do that. Cause maybe they aren't outside playing catch, you know, whether it's technology or whether, you know, parents are working more, there's not enough time. It, it could be a variety of things, but then, you know, it's, it's one thing for us to, to complain about it, you know, and it's another thing to like, Hey, they don't catch very well. Cool. Let's, you know, let's provide more opportunity for them. So, you know, we've, we've kind of started the the football open gyms up here. And I think, you know, that kind of leads me into the, the next questions I have for you. You know, you, you've been to some places, you know, obviously you played at UNI and, and your dad had coached at a lot of spots, but you've been to some places down South, you know, you've coached in Oklahoma, you've coached in Texas you know, what are some of the major differences you see between some of those states down there versus where we're at right now in terms of, you know, we don't want to bag on anybody, maybe in terms of football development and football emphasis. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I got to give a shout out to a couple of guys. Um, Coach Randy Breeze took a, took a shot on me. Uh, I was fresh out of college at a lot in high school, uh, my first year uh, coaching and teaching there. And man, uh, that was uh, an eye opener. Um, the amount of time and, and effort the coaches and, and the kids put in. Um, I had previously lived in Oklahoma for a year. My dad coached at Woodward High School, um, so I kind of knew what the South was about, and that was my goal. I wanted to get down to the South, where I knew that football was important. I knew that athletics was important, and uh, that first year there in Lawton. Um, being there every day in the summer um, and every coach was there every day in the summer. I'm like, gosh, dang, I, I, how much, you know, I think I could have been a lot better football player 
had, had, had my coaches in high school had that same mentality. Um, and so that was, that was the first um, taste of the South that I kind of had as a, as a coach. And then I um, went down to Burleson Centennial um, where Coach Kyle Geller, um, who knew my father, um, you know, I don't think I could have broken the waves of, of the Red River if I uh, didn't know somebody down there. Um, but, but I was able to go and coach uh, with Coach Geller at Burleson Centennial. And man, um, you know, I miss it. <laughs> I, I miss the importance that, that schools take and, and have on training and athletic periods. Um, not just for football, but I mean for athletic development in general. I mean, you know, the 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 girls' basketball team had a class period. The the girls' soccer team, the uh, football team, everybody had an athletic period. And the importance that that school took on coaches being in the building blew my mind. You know, um, up here at walls you know it's we, we struggle to try to get coaches hired and, and thank goodness for our principal that we have um, yeah. dr hawkins he does a good job of trying to get coaches in the building but man it, it's just not the same um every single coach was in the building um when i was at burleson centennial and i i loved it that I, I i cannot believe that states have not adopted that model it's just so important, and and you talk about that as something I haven't even really thought about because I'm I'm fairly used to it. But it's so important to have coaches uh, in the building at all times, and and it's like, um, for whatever reason, you know, I, I hear and not to again throw anyone under the bus, but I hear some of these teachers that I'm around, and and they're complaining about classroom management or kids acting certain ways or whatever, and and maybe I'm just uh, blessed and. And, but it's like, I've got no idea any of that stuff's going on. I'm like, Oh really? My kids come in, they're really good kids. And they, uh, you know, when their phones are supposed to be up, they are. And when they're not supposed to be talking, they're not. And I don't run into any of these issues. And, and, you know, a lot of it, some of it is being a big male. I get that. But, um, you know, I think a lot of it too is, is being a coach, being around those type of people and, and that kind of, uh, you know, whatever that is, that aura, uh, if you will, or whatever you want to call that, that comes from being a coach and being out there and, and uh, being used to demanding excellence from kids. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, gosh dang, I mean, if you can think of how many times, Coach Harper, that you've had to modify a drill or modify or differentiate how you taught a kid a skill in football, I mean, you, we do what our administrators want teachers to do every day. That's right. Uh, you know what I mean? And I think, I think that um, I, had, I had never even thought about it really um, until I got up here um, to, back home to Iowa and Ankeny. And, and Dr. Hawkins preaches about differentiation. And we're looking at all these things to make, make people better. And I'm like, well, gosh dang. I go, that's <laughs> coaches do it every day. I'm like, why wouldn't you want a bunch of coaches in the building that, that want to spend extra time building relationships with kids? Not only on that, they have a stake in it because if the kids aren't learning, those kids can't participate in activities. Yeah. It makes perfect sense to me on so many levels and you guys hit on two of them. I mean, you know, having to deal with the so-called, you know, problem kids, whether it's behavior or whether it is learning, and then Harper, you touched on classroom management. I mean, I could count on one hand 
the number of coaches that I know, and even, and even if they weren't, you know, say phenomenal or strong coaches, every single one of those guys could manage a classroom. Yes. You know, there, there was never any discipline issues you'd find from them. You know, were they the, the greatest teachers ever? No, but they showed up pretty much all the time. You know, they, they were very, very visible in the school. They, and you know, coach Nelson, you said they had a stake in the school, you know, Hey, I, I want, I want to win games. I want Ankeny Hawks to be, you know, a preeminent program in the state. I want to be happy about our brand. I'm going to promote our brand. I mean, I just think there's so many positives about, you know, people who, who have that vested investment into the, to the school. And there's so many positives of hiring those guys. I, I, I don't really understand some of it, you know? Well, and it's, it's, yeah. it's probably not real PC to say, so uh, hopefully I don't get us in too much trouble, but um, you, you know, to me, one of the, one of the best things, you know, that, that you got to do for a society is, is build men, you know, in a society, in my opinion, in my view, it, it to be, you know, uh, obviously women can do whatever they want to do. And, and as we can see, and they do a lot of great things, but I, I do believe that, you know, there's a lot of men out there that, that should be doing, you know, a, a big, should be a big part of our community. And, you know, we should be able to look to those, uh, to, to men to be able to, you know, be a safe structure in the community. And, and um, so many coaches are, are used to dealing with gruff kids that, you know, there are some teachers that think this, oh, this kid's a bad kid. Let's make sure we put them in a coach's class. They'll get something out of them where you're a coach. You're used to being around. Maybe it's just high testosterone kids. You know what I mean? Which is, which is what boys a lot of times are coming up through highs. It doesn't mean they're bad kids. You know, they're high testosterone kids. Some of those need to be around a guy that's a big football coach that can calm them down a little bit and, and try to help those, you know, boys grow into the men that, that we need around uh, our community, our society, all, you know, all of that. That's where I, I take some of the most pride in is, is being able to, to try to help those young men. You know, and we got, I got ladies in my class and, and men and boys, and so trying to teach them all science. But I take the most pride out of trying to, you know, mold some, some boys that, you know, have those high testosterone or may have made some, some poor choices in the, in the past and try to mold them into uh, more, you know, what we need for them to be. Right. Yeah. Cause they're, they're definitely a product of, of whatever they're learning, um, whether it be at home or at school. And so um, we only get them a certain, a certain amount of hours of the day. So, um, however we can we can help because a lot of times those kids that maybe are the problem kids as we stereotype yeah. um, them right now um, a lot of times those kids are the kids that stick around the community um, mm -hmm. and, and right you want to you want to teach them those things so that they that they make the community better um, because they're probably not going anywhere um, so yeah I, I agree with that I was going to say, Coach Nelson, I mean, you do, you do a really good job. I know I've, I've been in, in your classroom, and you and I talk a lot about, you know, do, doing leadership things and, and kind of teaching outside the box, maybe a little bit outside of our content areas. You know, what are some things you do maybe in your class or, or with your kids that, you know, you, you try to make them a little bit more aware of some of that stuff? I know I used to do it on our, our shortened Wednesdays, you know, kind of having the, the walls real-life Wednesdays, you know, and, and talking to them a little bit about life. and you know, put the, put the science kits away and, and let them talk a little bit about that instead. Yeah. So I, I have this thing, um, I call it mind candy. Um, 
And I got that from uh, the strength coach at UNI. Uh, he always started the, the workout off with mind candy and was give us some life tips or some tips to be better at, you know, uh, nutrition or sleep or, uh, you know, fluid intake or whatever. So I, I stole that from Jed Smith. Um, but I, I call it mind candy. And, and usually, um, at least the past couple of years, <clears throat> um, I was terrible at reading books um, growing up. I mean, I absolutely hated it. And so uh, now that uh, mainly because of you, Coach Walls, I, uh, I get these books and I, I, I comb through them the best I can. And, um, and I just really try to apply lessons that I learned from reading these books. And I try to apply it to um, the student's life. Um, the impact that they have on our school. And then I try to make them visualize what this thing is going to look like or the lesson or the mind candy 10 years from now when you're outside the place. So I think, I think a lot of the kids like it that, um, you know, value their future and, and want to kind of say, oh, well, I hadn't thought about that because, you know, you always try to tell them, hey, guys, pretty soon you're going to be um, short, fat, and balding like me in, in 33. And, you know, you're not going to be, um, you know, young and, and, you don't you know, stuff's going to sneak up on you. So I try to do that. And my favorite book to use right now is um, Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. Um, I love that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he's a little uh, intense, um, so it's kind of hard to <laughs> kind of maybe tone it down a little bit to their, to their level. Um, but I'm also reading a couple others. Uh, right now that I really, that I like um, that I think talks about leadership and just you know these kids sit in a, a chair and get talked to um, daily and I think that um, teachers have a lot more that we can pull from them and that we can learn from them and this kind of gives us the avenue to let them talk about it ask questions and things like that I think that's where some of the respect comes in you know knowing that hey Sorry, uh, third period U.S. history is not probably probably the most important thing that's going to happen to you today. So, um, give them some tools for success a little bit later in life. Coach, going back to uh, getting back to football a little bit more. Uh, I know you said that you know he went to U and I and and that your dad was there. Was that something? I know he didn't he didn't coach your position, but was that something that you were excited about? Uh, was that something you were looking forward to, wanting to go? play for your dad and then and then also I know you kind of transitioned to now also coaching with or for your dad you know whichever way you want to look at that uh same question with that was that something that you were looking forward to doing or was it just something that kind of happened uh yeah I kind of asked just because uh, I was in a similar or am kind of in a similar situation uh my dad being a coach as well um yeah I I knew I fortunately enough to to be a coach's kid I didn't move around a whole lot um, and, and I had moved, uh, twice in a year. Um, my seventh grade year, we moved from Springfield, Missouri to Woodward, Oklahoma. And then that same spring, uh, my dad was only a coach there in Woodward for a year. And we, we got the, he got the job up here at UNI, his alma mater. And I just fell in love with, with UNI. I fell in love with Cedar Falls, um, I fell in love with, with Panthers and there was nothing else I wanted um, to do than to be a Panther. Um, I, I had, I wasn't recruited heavily. Um, I had a couple other visits 
And I just like, you know what, I'm not even going on these other visits. This is where I know I want to be. Um, I knew it was going to be a challenge, um, but I, I didn't, I didn't waver. I knew eventually I was going to get, get my chance. Um, and that's really all I wanted. You know, all these other guys are, Hey, aren't you going to go and, and try out for the combine? And I'm like, no, man, my senior year was my combine. That was my Super Bowl, And I loved every second of it. Um, and uh, so that, that's a little bit about you and I, and I have so much pride in that place. Um, um, and I met some of my best friends there. Uh, we're, we still keep in contact weekly, daily. Um, so I, I, I'm forever in, in, in grateful for the, my time at you, you and I. Um, and, and my dad didn't have a huge impact we were on opposite sides of the ball, you know, other than I lived with all O-linemen. So I got to hear, I got to hear the O-lineman come home and complain about what my dad was doing to them that day and what he said. <laughs> so uh, that was always funny. That was always a good, good time. You know, I'm like, gosh, don't come home and beat up on me because you're mad at my dad. <laughs> um, then, and then, you know, um, I was at Ankeny High School prior to my dad taking the head job. Um, and I know that it, it's challenging for him. You know, I know he misses college, college ball. Um, but man, there, there's nothing better than getting to spend, uh, time with him. Um, you know, I lost a lot of time with him growing up cause he was, he was gone recruiting or, um, doing the, the demands that a college coach has. So, uh, daily at lunch, you know, it's just, it's just fun, man. We just laugh or, you know, or he complains and I try to keep him positive one or the other. Um, you know, it's just, it's fun. I, I have a blast and, and he, he knows that, um, you know, he knows that I think he made the right decision coming, coming down here to Ankeny, but, um, you know, my family's here and, and you know, his mother, uh, my grandmother moved here. So we're all here. And, um, you know, I know it's hard for him sometimes, but, uh, as Wallace could attest, but I, I think he's doing a good job to try to get this, yeah. Um, culture finally turning in the right direction after after some years of of uh, you know uh, the split and you know who's on what side of town I think I think we're we're kind of ready to take this thing to the next level yeah I it's it's a it's a tough job I mean it's you know the the dynamics of split basically splitting a town in half you know I mean and and it wasn't like it was a clean split where you have two new staffs, you know, one, one original staff from the original school goes to one part. So there's still kind of all that history that moves. I mean, it, it's just a, a weird dynamic, you know, and, and I don't think that the town was ready for it. And, you know, is pretty much the first place in Iowa to do it. So it's kind of been, you know, the, the experiment and the trial by fire and your, your dad's had to, you know, really deal with a lot of that. And, you know, it's, it's been, it's been some rough stuff, but also, I mean, it's been a lot of fun and it's a lot of fun to, to figure it out. And I think, like you said, we're, we're ready to kind of take that next step and you can feel the momentum rolling. Um, I know when you're sitting there, you're talking about your dad too, is, is cool because, you know, I'm sitting and I remember when I had moved home for a couple of years in, in pier and, and having your dad around, it, it's awesome to be able to say that you have a good enough relationship with your dad. Like, you know, Hey, I, I would coach with you in a heartbeat. It's like I, I told my dad that, hey, you know, I think if you're going to offer me this head job, I said, if they do that, you know, I want to make you my defensive coordinator. And my dad, my dad's like, you know, he'd been retired from football for five or six years, and he'd even right. had 
he didn't bat an eye. He's like, okay, yeah, sweet. Let's do it. I mean, it's, it's a pretty cool feeling to know that, you know, your, your dad's got your back and, and you know, and you're raised right and, and you still have that good relationship. So it is really cool to, to work for, for you and your dad, because you, you see that, that brotherhood between the two of you, you know, it's not like, you know, the, the, the whipping boy or, you know, the ones in charge. Of <laughs> yeah. You guys yeah. are always I don't on go, the same level, you know? Yeah. yeah. I don't go and, and make him coffee and blow on it. Make sure it's too hot before he drinks it. So that's <laughs> <what I do>. <laughs> <laughs> and I get that same sense, you know, too, like when I've met Harper's dad, it'd be the same kind of deal. You know, those two could, could coach together. And I mean, it's just a cool, cool relationship. I think when, you know, you're not at each other's throats and, you know, it, it just says a lot about the relationship you have, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of times, you know, like you're, you're surrounded by football a lot. I mean, at lunchtime, man, just jokes fly. He gets the giggles, it, you know, <laughs> it's, just, it's good. Time. It's good times. The best part to me is like, is on family, not trips, but like around the holidays, you got to see a lot of family that you're not around very often and for me, I'm kind of a weird dude. I, I don't have a lot in common with many people, uh, but I'm always constantly thinking football, something football. So when I'm around, you know, certain family members, um, you know, certain ones aren't as bad, but, uh, or, uh, you know, I love it, you know, enjoy going, but there's certain, certain trips I got to take to certain families or, you know, distant relatives that uh, right. I'm kind of just sitting there like you know, thinking in my own head and everyone thinks I'm a jerk oh, yeah. or, or whatever. And, and, but <laughs> But when, well, you know, we get to get to go over there, at least the whole time I can, I can just talk football, you know, whoever else is there, it might be 40 other people there, but that doesn't really matter. At least I get to talk football with him. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's awesome. It's been great. It's been fun. Well, coach, I think, uh, and I could be wrong, so please uh, tell me if I'm wrong, but uh, you, you've been obviously a, a defensive just position coach for a while. And now, uh, I don't know if it was last year or two years ago, uh, kind of transitioned to a, a, the, now the defensive coordinator. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, this past season was my first year. So I, I love talking to, to uh, coaches that are, are just transitioning from, um, you know, an assistant coach into uh, a coordinator spot. Was that obviously, I would assume that was kind of something that you've, you've always wanted to do. What kind of gave you, um, you know, where were you in your coaching, you know, philosophy or mindset where you, you finally felt comfortable? Like, okay, I, I think I'm, think I'm prepared. I'm think I'm ready. I would like to try to do, uh, put my own spin on things and be the coordinator of a defense. You know, I, I, I kind of found that out when I was uh, coaching down in Burleson, um, down in Texas there. I, I kind of figured out like, okay, I, I like this thing. I, I would like to kind of be in charge of one side of the ball. And, you know, I have an ultimate goal eventually, um, you know, to be a head coach someday um, whenever that time strikes. But I kind of figured it out down in Texas that, man, I really like, like this thing. And I, I like what our DC um, was doing down there. And I, and I got a lot of different ideas um, and I just kind of compiled them. And, um, you know, learn from, learn from good things uh, that I saw leaders do. And then I kind of shied away from some of the, the things that I didn't like um, from the leaders that, that I was working under previously. Um, and I had a blast this year. Um, uh, we, were, we were able to kind of change the defense a little bit. Uh, we were primarily four down. We went to more of a three down look. Um, and I spent a, uh, spent a lot of time doing things alone 
um, just kind of checking thing over. And then um, it, it was really cool to see this year. I gave a lot of ownership to the rest of the defensive staff um, because I feel I kind of felt like uh, previously that maybe kind of the DC was in charge and wanted it a certain way and they weren't going to change or that's how we were going to do it. So I really wanted to be cognizant of giving the coaches that, that were working on the same side of the ball as me as ownership. Um, man, we, we, it looked like uh, I had class in here sometimes when the offensive guys would come down for meetings. I had guys paired up with each other. I had them working on, um, hey, okay, this group, I want you guys to come up with what you like against this personnel and this down and distance range. And then the other groups were working on other things. I just felt like giving people ownership, um, you know, makes them feel like they got a dagger in the fight um, and, and really made it feel like they were uh, felt valued. Um, and and that's, that's really kind of what, what I want from our defensive staff is, um, hey, I want you to feel valued, and, and I, I don't ever want to feel like I'm like a, a supreme leader, um, but I think those guys worked really hard this year, and, and they made our defense a lot better just from collaborating, um, you know, and um, I would kind of start some things off and, and get them going in, the, in maybe in the direction I had a vision for, but if it went somewhere else, uh, we, we rolled with it. We all kind of agreed on it. Uh, we knew that if, hey, uh, we were going to go into this, we weren't, we're not going to blame each other. This is what we'd agree, we agreed upon, and let's, let's coach these boys up and let's get them ready to roll. Man, that's that's uh, something that I learned that I, you are so spot on, I believe. That, that, and it's something I learned um, first with Coach Walls um, and then now with our offense coordinator now that um, he does an unbelievable job and he's talked about – I mean, he consciously does it is – is allowing his assistant coaches to have, like you said, have so much impact on the game plan where uh, even if maybe what the, you know, with me, even if maybe what I want to do is, is in his mind, our offense coordinators, a little bit not as good as what he wants to do. As long as it's close, he'll let us do that because he knows that, that I've got to, you know, like you said, I got to, uh, uh, iron in the fire and so for whatever reason human nature it's you buy into it so much more you'll you'll just subconsciously coach that harder when it's it's kind of coming from you or you feel like you know you've got a big stake in it and then uh so that's been an unbelievable this year and it, and i've completely bought into it with that and then also that you know like i said the first person i ever learned that from was walls uh and he was and that was my very first year as an offensive line coach and there was very, very little that you should ever listen to me, especially as the first-year <laughs> offensive line coach. But he did an unbelievable job of at least pretending like he was listening. You know, and, and, and it took – now looking back at it, you had to be – you know, you got to be so smart and be able to twist things certain ways to be able to still get what out you need to get out, but at least give the appearance uh, that you're really – taking in what that coach is saying and that you're valuing what they say. And, and Walls was the master manipulator with that. But both of the coordinators that I believe are, are you know, great coordinators, uh, both did an excellent job of that, of, of giving uh, us as a staff um, a big say in, in what we were doing. 
Yeah, Walls probably shook my arm on that idea too. Uh, guys, <laughs> I, I, I may have had a couple conversations with you on it. The, the, the guy's a freaking genius. What do you expect? <laughs> well, I mean, you, you get lucky because, I mean, I've learned from a lot of mistakes because when I started off, I, I had no business being a coordinator. I mean, you, you guys did it right. I mean, you know, Harp, you've kind of eased your way into run game coordinator and, and same thing. Uh, with you, Nelly, literally, I, I was a coordinator. I'm not kidding. I was calling plays my, my first year out of college. So when I was working with Mulaney, when Mulaney got like, like let go at the end of the year and we didn't have a coordinator, I was calling plays at the end of the year and I was calling plays JV. And I, and I had no clue. I mean, all I could really rely on then was, was me, you know, cause I didn't, I didn't know in college, you know, how to lead, how to manage, how to build relationships, all those things. It was just, you know, still in the, in the mode of, of gathering knowledge. So that was kind of my first leadership mode was, Hey, I, I know what I want to do. You coach your guys and get the hell out of my way. <laughs> and I, right. and I found out, I found out that wasn't going to work. You know, that was just going to be a tornado that was just going to rip through people. And it's like, well, screw that. I'm not going to work very hard because you know, walls has it in his head anyway. And once you figured out a little bit more of that art and, you know, and, and you find autonomous people, you know, like Nelly, you'd said, Hey, I'd like to do, figure some of these things out by myself, give you a project and let you just go, you know, right. and same thing with Harper. I know Harper was going to be a dude that worked his, his ass off. You know, the last thing I wanted to do was not have him doing something or not meet his needs of, of being developed. So when I knew, when I knew he was going to be hungry to do things, I had to give him jobs. Even if those jobs weren't going to be something that was going to be in the game plan, he was going to get something out of it because he was going to learn something. And if, if he was getting that learning or getting that knowledge, then I knew Harper was going to be happy. And when Harper was happy, he was going to work his ass off for you. Right, Harper? Right. That's exactly right. <laughs> it, but, but to me now growing into a little bit older and, and now some younger coaches coming in, I see how difficult that is, especially when, um, you know, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I'm, I'm uh, fairly intelligent at least. And so – and and by nature, a football player, very oh, probably overly confident in myself. And so it can be hard at times because you think you know the right way or even you do know the right way. Like you said, hey, you guys do you. I know exactly the best way to do it. Let's do it this way, where that's not the best way to get the overall goal out of it. And so um, I would assume – and Coach Nelson, it, it's unbelievable. Uh, to me, it's crazy that your first year you, you made that such an emphasis because I think that would be, in, in, at least for me as a coach, if I were to ever bump up to that, that would be by far the hardest thing for me to do is know, know this is for sure the best way, but uh, I need to also let you work through things and know that it may not be the best way, but it's going to be ultimately a better product because you've got more thought into it. Yeah. Yeah. I, it worked so well because, um, you know, I just, there was a drastic change and, and Wallace can attest to this mm -hmm. when I came from Texas up here to Iowa and, um, and man, it was a change and we gradually kind of built it up and then, um, working a little bit better on a defensive staff and then, um, our defensive coordinator, uh, at the time, uh, decided to step down, and I'm like, man, I, I have a plan in place, um, and it allows people to, you know, just like Jocko Willink in the Extreme Ownership, you know, they can lead from multiple uh, rings on the ladder, lead up and down, um, and just give everybody some ownership, and 
and um, you know, as kids too, you know, uh, give them some ownership in some of your calls and stuff, and they they eat that stuff up, um, and they're gonna go that much harder for you um, in the long run um, if you can give them some of that, um, you know, ownership and leniency to do some things to call some stuff. They're gonna they're gonna take it and they're gonna run with it. I think that's a huge, huge thing, you know, and anytime anyone's got more skin in the game, you know, if you're like, Hey, you know, it's, it's, it's an auto check. You guys are making the call or, you know, Hey, you're, you're going to make the, the auto check versus, you know, this formation. It's not really the, the defensive coordinator. I've, I've coordinated the defense, you know, and I may be the guy that's making the suggestions, but ultimately it's the kids on the field. that are going to make the call. And when they're making the call, they've got a little bit more skin in the game because, Hey, you know what? Hey, if things aren't going right, you know, that, that's kind of on me. And, and I, I don't know a kid out there, you know, I've, I've never coached a kid that wants to look bad. I mean, there's not one. So, when, when it's, you know, they got, they got a little bit of skin in the game and it's like, Hey, you know, it's on you, man, you got to make the play now and you got to get it done. They're going to give everything they possibly have to, to get that done because none of them want to look bad and none of them want to fail. Heck no. And I, I tell those guys, like you mentioned our auto check, Hey, if, uh, if you have a cat that is across from you that you can't like cover, don't call mini or don't call lock. <laughs> Give yourself, go call auto baby. And let's, let's call hard. Let's play cover too. I, I was like crossing my fingers when I played EV. I'm like, come on, climb and don't, don't man me up. Don't man me up. Don't man me up. <laughs> Cause I knew, I knew that I was like, gosh, the first time I get, manned up and someone runs by me i'm probably coming out of the game so I'm like, I'm like, come on babe keep that d-line keep whooping the tail off, off the off off the o-line because i don't want to play man-to-man and get worked <laughs> but that's that's the stuff you learn as you know as a player and you know and harper can attest and i can attest i mean that that's the stuff you learn you know when you you have failed before and you you have made those mistakes you don't, you don't do those things then when you're, when you're a coach, you're like, I'm not going to put that kid in that situation. Whereas, you know, if, you know, uh, I'll say like Lawrence Taylor, yes, Lawrence Taylor to go coach, you know, generally is like, Hey, you know, you got to get to the pastor like I did, dude, no one can. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, not, not everyone had that ability. You know, they (laughs) don't really know what it felt like to, to be vulnerable like that or to, to be in in a fail position. Whereas, you know, guys like us are like, you know, why does coach keep calling L protection when I'm having to block this dude that's got 20 sacks all by myself? Yes. It doesn't make any sense. So, I mean, it, it really helps when, you know, you get to those coaching situations. It's like, I'm going to put that kid in, in the best situations or I'm going to tell the OC, hey, these matchups are bad news. These calls are bad news. You know, or even you ask the QB when you're, when you're an offensive coordinator. Coach, I, I don't like throwing curl routes or I don't like throwing digs. Why would I keep calling them? You know, right. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, you just, you should just delete those things immediately because the kid is not comfortable. What does he like to throw? Cool. Let's, let's throw those. And when you get into those tough situations, Hey, what, what do the kids like? Call that. <laughs> it's real easy. <laughs> you got, you got to totally, as a coach, you have to differentiate your, your playbook for the kid. Yeah. Right. If I, if we had walls, if we had a couple of, of, of cats, like, like uh, Clemson or Alabama on the D line, I yeah. wouldn't have three down. I'd be rocking four down all day long and say, "All right, boys, we're gonna play. We're gonna play straight up gap and and come get us because you're not moving any of those guys." 
but we, we don't have those guys right now. We got to be a little more aggressive in disguise and, and move a little bit more. And that's how we're going to have success. But you have it built into your system. And I mean, and I wanted to get a little bit into your system because I know you're going to talk a little bit about it, you know, with the, the summit, but I mean, it's all built into a system. I mean, everybody's kind of gotten, you know, it's probably a, a media thing, but everyone wants to label what everybody does. You know, they run a, a spread offense. Well, what does that mean? You know, they run a right. four down. Well, what does that mean? I mean, 51% of the time they're in a four down. I mean, you know, you've had the ability. I mean, you'll say, yes, we have three guys with their hand on the ground, but you're playing a lot of even principles too. Definitely. Yeah. We, um, and, you know, I've, I went through after um, last year when I found out it was going to be, or it would have been a year and a half ago when I found out that I was going to be the DC man. And I pencil and paper, drawn everything up, drawn everything up, drawn everything up. And I had, I think I came down to you walls like a million times saying, Hey, I think I'm going to call this, this, and well, I'm going to call this, that. And we go to Nebraska and Chen's uh, coach Shenander, who's the DC there. He's like, Oh yeah, we just categorize everything. And I'm like, a light bulb went on in my head. And it's like, oh, my gosh. Um, I, just, I just tried to make a call that had five words in it. And now it's down to two yep. because we, were, we got it in categories. And the rules are the same. And it's a beautiful thing. Um, yeah, but we can, we can totally get into four down very easy um, j- just by moving um, one individual or two individuals on our, on our D-line. Um, and I got all of that, you know, just by going, going to a category and I should have known because in, in, in school, kids learn by categorizing things. And I, I, it just dawned on me after we were at Nebraska and I'm like, holy moly, no wonder you guys are making the big bucks. <laughs> and, and if you can have some basic principles on categories, then, then kids can when they forget can still have a chance to be in the right position you know we categorize uh at broken arrow our our gap and our man and our zone and then they've they've all got um uh you know a category for that so all of our whatever our animals are our our zones so at least if a kid you know and, and if, as long as he knows what zones are right he knows okay animals are zones and and he knows on all zones i'm blocking my front side zone and I'm stubbing my front side foot or my play side zone, my play side foot, then at least if he hears any animal and he's completely goes brain dead and forgets what that is, uh, he may miss the little things of those, but he'll at least be working uh, to his play side zone with his play side foot. And, and we can get the play ran and, and maybe he doesn't um, cost us because at least he knows that category. Right. Yeah. And it makes it, it makes it easy to teach. Um, I think you'll, you'll kind of see on the summit video I did, I, I, I thought I'd put a lot of better technique on there, but as going through, I was like, holy crap. I'm like, walls, I can't believe I allowed that to happen for three weeks. (laughs) That's so right. (laughs) But anyways, um, that, that that category, um, cat with the category that I talk about on the summit clip is, is our names category. And essentially if you hear your name or your position name, you're triggered to make a call to an individual in front of you that tells them where to go. Um, that's kind of the most simple category that we had, and it, it's um, uh, probably about 70% uh, of our defense. Um, and uh, you'll see on there, I mean, it, it makes it pretty easy. Um, the inside and the outside guys have the same cues, and 
Uh, the nose hears the same words and the, the our DNs hear the same words. Um, so I really liked it, but um, being the first year defense coordinator, looking back on the video I put together and now going back through and, and tagging a lot of stuff from last season, man, we could have been a lot better. And um, I guess those are the little things that, that you learn and you, you just keep plugging away at it as a, as a coach. Um, you can always, you can always get better. And, and, you know, some of the reason that end of the year self-scout is so extremely important. Uh, I ran into the same thing these past couple of days as I'm getting ready and putting some stuff together uh, for clinics that a few clinics I'm doing. And it's like, Oh, oh man, we didn't do this very well. And it's like, it's almost hard to find the, the, you know, however many perfect clips that you're wanting to find. Cause it's like, Oh, I can't believe I didn't see that after the game, you know, cause I, I write in all my notes through huddle. So I see all my notes and I'm like, how did I not see that? That's a big deal. Why did I, why did I let that go or, or whatever it is, but such an important thing at the end of the year. And another thing that uh, coach Wilkinson does a great job, but the first person I've, I've ever seen make such a huge deal about it was coach walls. I mean, at the end of the year, uh, it was a big deal. Okay. We need to get this, this, this broke down. Let's put it in folders. Here's our breakdown folder. And it was, it was a big deal to go back, uh, take a little time away from it and then go back and, and look and, and really review what you did, what you did well. Uh, and the biggest thing was, right, what did you do poorly, but not just, okay, we did this poorly and, and so we're bad at it or whatever. It was like, okay, now take those plays that you did poorly at. What was the reason you did poorly? Was it, you know, whatever it was, okay, let's get that little part fixed. Yeah, yeah think, definitely. Yeah, go, go ahead, ahead, Coach Walt. I was just going to say, I mean, and you, you kind of learn it now in education. It's funny how you, there's so many yeah. connections made in, in learning, you know, and, and now being an instructional coach, I've got so much more free time on my hands to kind of, when they're educating me more on, you know, good practice, but it, it's basically, it's called, I mean, reflection, you know, you don't have time during the season to do it. It's all plan, 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 go execute, plan, 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 go execute. There's so little time for like reflection, you know, and all of a sudden now when the, when the, the season gets over and I, and I loved having guys like Harper around because you, you learn even more when you can talk about it. So, I mean, it's one thing to sit there and break it down and look at the data, but then like being able to like, like Harper's saying those questions, you know, him having those questions for me or me having those questions for him, that's stimulating thought. And when we're stimulating thought and we're thinking more, God knows how many good things are going to come out of it. You know, to me, that's like when we're coming up with drills, like, Hey, we need to get more reps against slant. All right, let's do more badger drill. Or, you know, hey, we need to get better at, at this. And that's when, when we really get the, the spawn of here's, here's maybe some things we can do when we get to spring ball, which, of course, we don't have up here. But <laughs> when we get to spring ball, those were things we could really emphasize on because we don't have to play a game. You know, to me, spring ball was a chance for let's correct and fix mistakes and let's build, you know, capacity in our team and understanding, you know, the fundamentals of our offense. Right. Yeah. I, and I think um, – kind of what we're doing in professional development right now walls and just kind of yeah. going those cycles. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, but no one else, unless you're at Ankeny high school, you might not know what we're doing, but um, <laughs> so that would be about what nobody listening right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyways, I think that next kind of, we're always talking about that next step. Mm -hmm. um, the next step for us defensively. And, and, and it's so weird that, teaching is bringing this out um, is we need to go back through and we need to be very purposeful in our drills why we do that drill and you we need to be straight up 
and say, hey, this is the purpose of this drill. Here's when you're going to utilize this. Here's the calls you're going to hear when doing this drill. And I think that's our next kind of our next step defensively. Um, you're not going to be able to have a drill for every single thing they do, but you better have, you know, as I look back on it, you better have at least drills planned that are very purposeful for, you know, 80% or 85% of the things that you're going to be asking them to do during the game. And man, I, I totally uh, dropped the ball on that this year. Um, but again, like you said, it's plan, plan, plan. and it's great. It's great now that I have that time, you know, I wish we had to spring ball, um, but yeah. it's great now that we have that time until summer um, to try to look back on those things. Cause man, I, I dropped the ball big time on that. Well, one of the big things that I think, and we've talked about it a little bit that coordinators, the really good ones are starting to do, or maybe they've done forever. I don't know, but is, is like, a, you know, the defensive coordinator, like we talked to, uh, oh, who was it, Shenander? And, and mm-hmm. we just talked about this on a podcast a, a few episodes ago, but it was like, um, you know, he's got his short stride, long stride, strike, whatever it was, but he can use that at every position. And, and it just allows everyone to get that. And like you said, be purposeful with everything that they're doing and all be on that same page. And so uh, if you can find – some of those similarities and what everyone's going to be doing on your defense, to me, it, it again makes everything purposeful, allows everyone to communicate that so much, so much better. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, that the long stride, short stride, shuffle and shoot. Coach Frost, Coach Frost um, brought that. Coach Frost brought that when he was at U and I. Actually, he was the linebacker coach when I was a DB. So I got a, I was fortunate enough to work with him too. Um, but yeah, that that's an awesome, awesome principle. Um, but but how think about how many times a skill guy does that in a game, right? Um, almost every down. I you know I I started using it even for like for like routes. You know when 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 guys when you have a free release, you know you're coming off and you're going to accelerate your your long stride. When you're going to break down, you're going to short stride. So I mean yeah. it's it's even the same thing that they're using in breakdowns and routes. Same thing in blocking. I mean there's so many applications you can do it. So it's like, you know, Harper, Shenander, and all those guys have said when you can find carryover and guys continually hear that, Oh, long stride, I'm going to accelerate short stride. I'm going to come to balance. And that's either going to be a shuffle or a strike. I mean, they, they understand the the difference of that. They know that teaching progression and all of a sudden they start to kind of teach themselves. Um, the other thing I was going to say too, and I know, you know, you're talking about, you know, building your drills and, and building the language and how you're going to coach it it's going to be even, even cooler. Cause I know you guys will take it to that next level, but then defining what does it mean to be successful to that kid? So, Some so proficiency kid, standards in there. Exactly. So, I mean that when the kid knows, I mean, okay, yeah. Coach keeps telling me, you know, these coaching points and coaches taught me these, but what, what am I going to be doing when I'm super successful? So when I, when I blow up a fullback, right. What, how am I going to know that I was successful when I did that? You know, same thing right. you know, when, I, when I'm playing at that nine technique, how am I going to know I'm successful when runs at me or runs away? So I think, you know, even, even defining it to, to that, you know, kids, okay, yeah, I know my job. Well, well, how did I know I did my job right? You know, how do I know I did, I did my job the way that it's supposed to be? I think even defining it further into that, you'll, you'll see kids even take it to a whole new level. No, I, I love that. I love that. 
Well, coach, obviously the, the, the other key part, um, especially I know it's big here in Oklahoma. I'm, I'm sure it is at every level, but, but uh, you know, in Oklahoma, even they've gotten to where we've got our dedicated strength coaches. And, and I know it's only a few schools and, and I think that's probably growing throughout the country, but um, I know you guys, I don't think have a, de- obviously a dedicated strength coach, but it's obviously important. And, and to me, it's always crucial and, and almost the weight room's almost like um, special teams to me. And it's like, if it's not important top down, uh, then, then it just isn't going to be very good. It's not important to the head coach and the coordinators, and they don't hold them to that standard. It's going to be really, really tough to get a whole lot out of it. And so um, kind of, you know, just talking out loud, but how important is it for you to, to uh, you know, keep a, I don't want to say a tight thumb, but uh, be around the weight room, be around the kids in the weight room and, and around the strength and conditioning program so, so they see that it's important to the coordinator uh, so it in turn becomes even more important to them. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's very important. Um, you know, uh, Coach Walls and I are there uh, every day in, in early bird, which is kind of like our uh, – would almost be kind of like an athletic period to uh, people down in the, in the south – um, but it's, it's essentially it's early bird weights. Um, and my, my dad was actually able to get the majority of our upperclassmen in that class. I think there was 55 of them yeah. in there, Coach Walls, something like that. Yep. And uh, Coach Walls and I are there um, uh, for the most part every day. Um, and then, you know, we kind of have to leave a little bit early to get our classrooms ready or Coach Walls has to go to meetings and things like that. Um, so we kind of have that there. And then I think it's definitely important that, that coaches are present. Um, you know, it's like, Hey, um, you know, my coach wants me to do all these things, but Oh, I never, he never sees me, uh, work my butt off in the weight room all year. That yeah. doesn't really make a lot of sense. Right. Um, so I think that's a, a major piece of the puzzle. It's, you know, the kids aren't going to do anything that you're not doing yourself. Yes. Yeah, the the modeling of of the behaviors that we want, I mean, is is ideal. And again, you know, for us to sit there and complain, you know, God, you know, the, our attendance is really sporadic in the in the weight room. Well, no coaches show up. It's not important, right? Why why right. would the kids do anything any different? You know, whereas all of a sudden we're there every day, we're getting jacked up about guys gaining weight, we're getting jacked up about their gains, we're telling them they look good, we're building confidence. I mean, who doesn't want to be a part of that culture instead of the hey, make sure you guys go lift or else. And guess what? Like, I, won't was, there. I won't be there either. <laughs> that was that was like my high school, you know, Cedar Falls, who played in the freaking state championship this year, who had some dudes look like they'd been lifting weights, but not there was like one coach there mm-hmm. all summer, you know. And now I think they've they've got it to where there's more coaches, but that's the nature of the beast in Iowa. Is we have coaches coming from all over. We have coaches coming from corporate America. We have coaches coming from other schools. Um, so, you, you know, Oklahoma and, and Texas, from what I uh, was able to be a part of down there, they got it figured out, uh, getting the people in the building. And, and uh, because that's important. Uh, that's really important. Yeah, you touched on it. Um, modeling the behavior you want to see is, is so crucial. And nothing that made me matter as, as a player or even as a coach is when uh, a coach – you know, gets on to a, a player for not being at weights and that guy hadn't shown up, you know, took a week off. Or nothing makes me right. matter than – and I get it. You know, coaches work all season and all off season. And so 
in the summer they want to take a, a little bit off and I, and I get it. Um, I get what that means. And you're a grown up, you're going to be around your family, all that. But how is, I still don't get how that's any different than a kid. Okay. But, but now we're upset when the kid misses a week. Uh, but you missed a week to go with your family, but what, because they're a kid, it shouldn't matter as much or, or what? It's never made sense to me. And, and I've never felt right about asking a kid to be there every week if I wasn't willing to do the same thing. No doubt. And I, and I always kind of go back to something that Coach Geller taught me when I was down in Burleson, uh, at Burleson Centennial. Um, he always said, he goes, hey, if you can't coach a kid like like you're gonna like you were coaching your own, then then don't do it. So you know I tell my wife all the time. It's like, hey, she's like, you know, you you live up in that school. You I'm like, hey, well, you know what? If if I don't do it, or Coach Walls doesn't do it, or my dad, no one else is gonna do it. And, mm-hmm. and sure as heck, when my kid gets up to be in high school, you know, I, I want those coaches to be there every day and, and be supportive and because I want him to be the best person he can be, whether he's going to be in the band or show choir or in athletics, whatever it might be, uh, those people better be there um, because you know, I, I want him to be the best that he can be. Same with my daughter, you know, and I think that's, that's something that really held true that I, that I pulled from coach Geller is you better, you better coach it like you're going to do it with your own kid because um, if you're not, you're, you're doing it wrong. I love that. I just, there's nothing there's nothing worse i guess you know than than someone trying to trying to set a standard or trying to to enforce a rule that that they're just saying and then they they do something opposite you know and 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 their commitment level is is not not meeting what they they're expecting the kids to do you know the kids are always going to fall down to the level of of the commitment level of the leaders you know and the, and the yep. coaches the coaches set that standard so i mean they they have to be completely committed and I think even again, you know, it goes it goes to that administration too. I mean, how how committed are they to be excellent? You know, every single administrator you know wants to be excellent at the ACT scores. You know, they they want they want to have the best graduation rate. You know, they they love to see all these kids in these things. Well, how committed are they for kids that want to be excellent at football? You know, how committed are they for for kids that want to be excellent at basketball? And I think, you know, it, it starts with that, and then it trickles down to those coaches, you know, that has to be the standard. We're going to be excellent. We're going to hold you to this and and I'm going to be excellent for you by being the most educated coach I can be the most passionate, the most committed and and the guy that holds you the most accountable because that's just who I am. You get that done. I I think your program is going to be just fine. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, definitely Clemson and Dabo Sweeney. I mean, what he said in this post, the post-game interviews and stuff. I mean, that's the same stuff you're just talking about right now. I wish I got paid like Dabo, though. <laughs> hey, hey, he was ready to go celebrate. I'd be, too, if I made more in one check than I got all year. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there was a stat I had, I had heard today that I did not know this, and, and it was kind of a cool deal. And it reminds me of when we went up to Michigan State walls. But um, mm-hmm. uh, what they say, like, in the last this four years that yeah. um, it's been a battle – I think Dabo, they've they've lost two coaches, mm-hmm. and Alabama's lost like twenty something coaches in those four. Yes. Years. Yeah. I mean, ta- I mean, how big of a deal is that? You know, it was the same thing at Michigan State. We went there; it had been ten years, and they'd only lost like three coaches. But um, I really think that's a that's a huge deal, and and I think it speaks to a lot of different things. You know, obviously not all bad on on Saban because 
he gets his guys ready and everyone wants to poach him from him. But um, uh, it, it says a couple things, I'm sure, and, and it's kind of an interesting thing I didn't didn't know. Yeah, that was I, – I, I heard that stat, and it – you know, the first thing that popped in my mind was negative. But then after that, I'm like, well, how many of those guys are, like, head coaches now? And yes. Right. Well, so, yeah. To me, yeah, the, the, the context of it's like, yeah, all, all the guys that Saban is, is hiring, they wanted to go be head coaches. You know, the, the two guys that, that Dabo's had at coordinators, Scott and, and Venables, I don't think those guys want to be head coaches. And why would you? They're both making over a million dollars. And, you know, they say, hardly... that's, that's going to be pretty important, too. I know every head coach talks like they want their, their guys to want to be head coaches. But um, if you're really, really successful, you, you'd probably also like for your coordinators to stick around more than one year. Um, yeah. It'd be kind of nice to have guys that really wanted to just be great at what they were doing. <laughs> right. Right. That's a tough one. But a crazy stat at that, you know, I don't know if you can attest. Right, yeah. Both are extremely successful. Yeah. Uh, you know. That, that was the thing I was laughing. Like, everyone's like, oh, you know, it's the end of the dynasty with Alabama. Like, really? No. <laughs> right. Really? The they'll end be back. Of the dynasty. <laughs> yeah, pretty sure they'll be okay. Yeah, they're one loss in three years or whatever, something ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Saban's going to be all right. Yeah, don't worry about that. And his, all his new coordinators are going to be really, really good, too, because they've got really, really good players as well. Really big linemen. Yeah, that's right. That's what I wish they would have done. I wish they would have handed the ball off a little bit more. Were they averaging like eight or nine a carry? Oh, God. Like, oh, run the ball. But uh, they, were, they were they were easy to be an armchair, armchair uh, guy, I guess. But, God, run it. You guys are massive. <laughs> I'm sure you, know, I'm sure you coach I, loved the Clemson, the defensive side, locking them down. Oh, yeah, they did. They, they, they locked them down good. But a funny story is uh, I student taught Ross Pierce Baker when he was in seventh grade at Pete Junior High. Huh. He was the uh, center, right? Sorry, the, center for Alabama, the, right? The center for Alabama, yeah. He was like six six in seventh grade. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> he was just ginormous. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, well, Coach, uh, you know, kind of coming up on uh, a little over an hour, but what I always like to know, and it's always interesting, either from offensive line guys or from defensive guys, but when you're watching another team's offensive line, uh, what's some things they'd be doing that would, that would uh, impress you about their offensive line coach? Well, you know, the one thing that uh, is, is just the, the sheer communication aspect of as an o-lineman you're, you're sitting in a stance right you know where you're going but then um you have all this movement on the defensive side of the ball all these all these moving pieces safeties corners linebackers moving all over the place and then you're able to still execute either a pass protection or a run blocking to me that is just the craziest thing that you can get five individuals um you know, and maybe not able to hear each other, but are somehow able to be on the same page to pick up a blitz, to, uh, to, to fit a run up correctly, to, to get the right call out there. Uh, to me, that is just, that's the most amazing thing about O-line uh, play. And, and those guys are, you guys are truly, truly like a unit, you know, um, just with living with O-linemen through college and 
And I mean, you guys are brothers and just kind of, you guys almost have like, uh, I don't know, is that ESP or, or, or yeah, where you yeah, guys are all right. thinking, thinking, thinking the same thing at the same time. And, and it's like, man, I just, I, to me, that just boggles my mind. Like just watching, watching those guys pick up blitzes and, and, and stuff and still able to execute with all that moving pieces. Um, so to me, that, that's the biggest thing is um, those teams that can do that. You know, everyone comes on and says, oh, you know, the O-linemen are nasty. and Well, that's a given. But <laughs> for them to be able to, to do that and do it successfully, man, that is a great, great compliment on, on their O-line coach. I love it, man. That's always my my favorite thing is, you know, you'd, you'd work that blitz or that look all week and then you get it wired up. Like, I, I remember, I, and I hate John Gruden, but <laughs> I actually heard him talk at a clinic and he, he was showing he's showing double corner blitz from uh, from the Washington Redskins. And he's like, he's like Greg Williams, I think was the D.C. Like, they're, here they're going to bring double corner blitz, you know, and then look against these guys, boom, hitting the quarterback in the face, double corner blitz. And then here against the Saints, they bring it, and they hit him again, boom, double corner blitz. And he's like, by God, you know, when we're going into this Washington game, we were going to pick up double corner blitz. And then he shows the clip of it, and they, and they pick it up. I mean, they, they hammer it. I, I can't remember what they ran, but, you know, they complete a pass, and they pick up double corner blitz. He goes, and guess what? We pick up double corner blitz. I was all happy about that, but Washington kicked our ass. We lost. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, but by God, we picked up double corner blitz. But Yeah, it, it's a crazy thing how I mean, I just remember seeing those guys at you and I just being able to boom, 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 and just remember Austin Steichen getting them all going in the right direction. It's like, gosh, man, you guys, you guys work together as a team. There's a reason why O-linemen hang out and do everything together. I think it's for that purpose. It's a little bit of that and a little bit of just we're all weirdos and no one else will hang, hang out with us. <laughs> yeah, well, except for me, me, the other guy that lives, in the, lives on the second floor. <laughs> That's exactly right. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.